Well, folks, welcome to The Uncomfortable Truth. And here's The Uncomfortable Truth. Some people love to suffer. True, they love to suffer. So the name of this podcast is I Suffer, Therefore I Am. Remember old Descartes? Cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. That's pretty clever. I think, therefore I am. When I first started my business, I had sort of a Cartesian philosophy, and I would tell people, I bill, therefore I am. I just love to bill, send out invoices. A lot of them didn't get it, but nonetheless, I trust that you do. But today, it's more like, I suffer, therefore I am. People really don't feel like they're alive, like they're meaning, like there's meaning in their lives unless they're suffering and unless they're exhibiting the suffering or talking about the suffering. I watched a playoff game not long ago, college playoffs, and there was a UCF play, University of Central Florida. They finished the year undefeated, won their bowl. I think they came out number 12 in the, comp- the country because they were uh, didn't have a really great, tough schedule, but nonetheless, they're a terrific team. And a lot of people feel they should be national champions. But there was a player on UCF missing a hand, one hand. He was a linebacker, and he was a great player. He tackled like crazy. He went after pass protection, you name it, and this guy was terrific. No suffering, no complaining. And he made a very tough college football team. I think he could probably make it in the pros, and I know I would hire him tomorrow because I know he would overcome whatever he had to overcome to do a superb job. No suffering there. But we have become, in the United States, so fat and complacent that we don't really feel alive unless we're suffering and unless we're expressing the suffering. Everybody has a grievance, no matter how petty, and everyone feels that their grievance should be addressed by the rest of society. And if the rest of society does address it and eliminates it, then the next thing is they'll come up with another grievance. I remember once I went to uh, a doctor for hearing uh, issues because I have tinnitus. And uh, the doctor made a a brief examination. He said, okay, you come back, we'll do more thorough tests. And his technician, this woman said to me, do not wear any cologne. I have uh, an allergy, a bad reaction to any kind of sense, S-C-E-N-T-S, although I believe it might also be S-E-N-S-E. I said, really? She said, yes, do not come back with any kind of of scent on you, no cologne, or uh, I, I won't do this, I won't do the procedure, we won't do the tests. And I'm thinking, who is she to tell the patient what to do? Because how does she get to work? <clears throat> how does she ride in an elevator? How does she carpool? How does she ride in a train? How does she deal with people who do wear scents? But she had a grievance, and she let everybody know about it, and we all had to conform to her particular grievance. You know, we suffer from cold. I'm I'm talking here in Rhode Island. It was recently uh, minus three. And we suffer from snow and air delays. Yet we travel cheaply and we travel extensively. And I say we as a society. We suffer with questionable food at times and bad traffic delays and elections we're unhappy with and all of our particular grievances not receiving sufficient attention. And on and on it goes, and we suffer and suffer, and therefore we are. You look at Dr. Phil, who I believe is a first-class phony foist upon the United States media by Oprah Winfrey. And despite what Oprah's done, good, bad, and indifferent, this guy is in the negative column. 
I don't think he's a good psychologist. I don't even think his license is still intact. He's divorced. And I think that he manipulates people on his show to make points for his own benefit. But having said all that, here's a first-class phony created by a talk show host. But what is he needed for? He's needed to deal with self-inflicted suffering. Dr. Phil deals with people who create their own suffering. They don't deal with positivity. They don't deal with trying to create constructive change. They deal with trying to be miserable. And he tells them why they're miserable. And usually his advice isn't followed. They want to remain being miserable. We watch TV court shows. They are the big thing now, Judge Judy and so forth. And we find that um, it's nice to watch because people are suffering. Somebody's rent wasn't paid. Somebody couldn't collect $150 they loaned someone. Somebody damaged or scratched somebody else's car. And they're suffering to the extent they want to go to a court. And they can go on TV and do it publicly so that they don't have to pay the court fees. We watch things like, you know, the real housewives of Dubuque, right? (laughs) These are just horrible people. But we want to observe their suffering. We want to participate in their suffering. And boy, can they create suffering. Our roads can't accommodate traffic anymore because we own so many cars. If you take 93 to Boston, uh, once you get off 95, Interstate 95, it is a parking lot almost at any time of day. The same thing in L.A., the same thing in the suburbs of New York. And the same thing even in places today like Denver and Phoenix. We have too many cars for the roads. Yet we take our cars out there and we complain. We suffer. We don't take trains. We don't take carpools. We don't do alternative things. We want to drive our cars. And if that requires suffering, great. The poor in this country are the wealthiest poor in the world. Now, I'm not excusing poverty. I'm not saying we shouldn't do a lot about it. I think it's disastrous for a society to ignore people in need. But our poor, quote-unquote, have cell phones and color TVs and cable. Institutions that once supported society now make us suffer instead. Schools, government, business, religion, even families, healthcare, medicine, now we're suffering. It's hard to get to see a doctor. It's hard to get proper reimbursement, both for the doctor and for the patient. It's bewildering dealing with government influenced health care. It's horrible counting on school systems that are politicized and teachers unions that pass initiatives for themselves and not for the students. It's terrible dealing with people who believe in freedom of religion versus those who want freedom from religion. It's difficult dealing with businesses when you have corporate cheating and corporate scandal and state-supported quote-unquote unfairness. We see and seek conspiracies because we want to see more suffering. We want to feel out of control. We engage in this rampant paranoia. And we're talking about conspiracies of all kinds because we want to believe that we've lost control and we have the right to suffer more. And if you do not believe me, if you think I'm exaggerating, I invite you to read Facebook. Spend 30 minutes just reading down one of the news feeds, and two things will happen. You'll find that most people 
are engaged in something ranging from the banal to the insipid, and you'll feel a whole lot better about yourself for not believing what they're talking about, assuming, of course, that you don't. Maybe it's time, instead of saying, I think, therefore I am, or I suffer, therefore I am, we should be saying, I contribute, therefore I am. You contribute, therefore you are. Those of us who coach and contribute and support and participate and respond and provide, we're existing. We're helping others. That's an excellent evidence of existing. In circo imolo sum is not a philosophy worth living. I suffer, therefore I am. And that, my friends, is the uncomfortable truth.